And then on that third or fourth day, I said, hey, Joe, it's none of my business, but what are you doing? He says, I'm having a ball. I'm helping the Miller family collect sap. I said, like maple sap? And he said, yeah. And he goes, why don't you come with me? And so we went out there and I was just enamored by the whole process. If there's people that are listening right now and you don't believe in global warming, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I've actually heard this from syrup producers, like that it's, your seasons have been Absolutely. tremendously altered. I, I mean, I, can, I could go on a rant right now and I'm, I, I guess I'm <laughs> saying, just give me a second, do it. I, I'll, I'll do it. What we do is we take a scoop of vanilla ice cream we grill up Already some love it. <laughs> palisade peaches, yes. okay. cut those up, drizzle the peach brandy barrels, maple syrup over it, so put walnuts or pecans, super delicious. Oh, that's and that's delicious. And, but you grill the peaches. And that was the first time I was shown that you can blow an egg out of an eggshell without it falling apart. I was just like, Man, the things you can learn in a maple house. <laughs> right? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Welcome back to Edible Economy. I'm Nate. And I'm Kim. And we are excited to be back again. We uh, thank you for coming, joining us. Uh, thanks for listening, tuning in. Like us. Subscribe. Spread the word. Subscribe. Um, we're excited today. We have Tim Burton and Brad Karawacker with us. Tim and I have been talking on the phone for six or seven years something but this is the first time we've actually met in person so hi guys welcome well we're happy to be here thanks for having us <laughs> yes. yes thanks for having us and so Tim, so what do they do yeah they they make the world's best syrup i th yes. think would you say it's the world's best syrup that's a lot to live up to <laughs> is it is i don't know <laughs> you know i guess when you say brad we just try to do our best oh okay we make some pretty darn good maple syrup yes <laughs> yeah well, I, and we'll, you do we'll your that. best okay and we do our best yeah yeah <laughs> so where i want to get started is um a lot of people think they know what syrup is i think they're in for a little bit of surprise can you tell us what what is syrup and what do most people think that is syrup that isn't? Sure. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I have to admit, I was raised on Aunt Jemima Log Cabin, which is yeah. flavored corn syrup. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that a shock? Yeah, I was raised on that. <laughs> and then I was introduced to pure maple syrup uh, as an adult um, and found out that pure maple syrup, uh, the, the foundation of maple syrup, I'll give you a little history on it. 80% um, of the entire global production of maple syrup is produced in Canada. And the other 20% is here in the United States. And of those states that produce maple syrup in the United States, it's about 15 states in the Maple Belt. Um, Indiana. The Maple Belt. In I the Maple that. Belt. There is a Maple Belt, yeah. <laughs> and actually, our forefathers uh, considered maple syrup backing, or actually maple sugar backing our currency, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, so instead of gold, they were thinking about uh, maple sugar. Benjamin Franklin was the one that made that suggestion. So, Was uh, there a maple party? A maple. You know, like, like there is a, a silver party and a, you know. You know? I, no, I don't think so. But <laughs> the prohibition party. It's not that we don't take it serious here in the United States, but they take it real serious up in Canada. Okay. Um, there's actually a syrup federation. They actually set quotas. And we could talk a little bit about that on how that affected the price globally when they had a down season. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So so Indiana, interestingly, interestingly enough, is the south westerly most maple syrup producing state in in the maple belt 
Okay. Now that doesn't mean they they can't or they aren't making maple syrup in Kentucky or Illinois or even Tennessee. I, I've heard about a fellow that lives on a ridge line, high ridge line in Tennessee that makes maple syrup. But it's at such a hobby level that they're not considered to be in the maple belt. Okay. So, okay. so when I say Indiana's a southwester, I don't want anybody out there going, wait a second, we, we make it in Iowa, you know. Um, one really cool fact, and we, uh, uh, my wife Angie and I started the National Maple Syrup Festival in southern Indiana. And so, cool. so a really neat fact is the sap flows in, in Indiana first. Not oh. just not just in the United States, but in the world because of its position. And then it gradually uh, goes north. So when we finish our, our season in Indiana, um, the rule of thumb is the 1st of February into a couple weeks in March. And it could even be earlier than the 1st of February. I've been tapping trees the second week of January. And sometimes I get laughed at because you know other sugar makers or maple syrup makers they say, well you're getting way you're getting out there way too soon, way too early. But I've done it where I've caught a couple extra runs because I got out there so soon. So it's kind of like a chess match with Mother Nature. So when we're wrapping things up in Southern Indiana, they're just getting things started uh, up in Northern Michigan, Vermont. Wisconsin, do they have it? Wisconsin's a big maple syrup producing state. Yeah. Explain a run. Yeah, I have so many questions. Yeah, so right. We'll start so, <laughs> when we can, a, a good sap run is when the temperatures at night drop below freezing, and then during the day they um, they they go above freezing. But the bigger the variance, the the more the sap will flow. So the sap is is in the root system. It's it's in the ground and it flows through what's called the cambium layer of the tree, which is between the bark and the hardwood. And so when we tap a tree, we don't go in very deep at all. You know, we go in like a quarter inch to half inch. That's it. If you go in any further, it's 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 a wasted you know, time to do that because the sap doesn't flow deep in the tree. So it goes through the cambium layer of the tree and imagine the tree like a human with the circulation of blood. It's going through the cambium layer of the tree, it's going to all the way up to the canopy, and then it's going to the outer extremities like our capillaries and our okay. fingers and things like that. So it's going out there, it starts off as a starch and it converts to a sugar. And typically, you have, there's hard maples and then there's soft maples. You hear people say a sugar maple. A sugar maple is a hard maple. Okay. And, yeah. and, and, and the sugar level is about, mm, will be about 2% on a hard maple. On a soft maple, um, it'll be about 1.6, 1.8% sugar. The soft maple will generate more volume. Okay. But not quite as as much sugar and the hard maple will generate less but a higher sugar level so and we don't we it all goes into the, together we don't separate hard okay. maples or soft maples what would you say um uh, don't discriminate we don't discriminate that's right <laughs> we do not discriminate at burton's maplewood farm so you've got hard maples or soft maples you're welcome to you know bring your sap to us or you know we'll collect it all together so do we, they run at the same time Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay. They sure do. And so we'll we'll collect the sap, and um, we'll bring it to the sugar house. And it's really straightforward. Um, It's all about reduction. So the USDA um, says that it is not classified as pure maple syrup until you get to a minimum of sixty-six percent sugar. So if we're dealing with oh wow one point eight to two percent, 
we have to evaporate a tremendous amount of that water into the atmosphere. The sugar stays in the pans. Okay. And, yeah. So typically, it's 40 to 1. That's the ratio. It's 40 to 1. So you of 40 gallons of sap okay. to make one gallon of maple syrup. Yeah. So when, okay. when we have elementary schools visiting the farm, I put it in this perspective. You know, I tell the kids, do you, everybody knows how much a gallon of milk is. And, you know, volume-wise, they say, yes. I said, I have to boil 39 of those gallons into the atmosphere to get that one gallon. That's and the kids cool. just go, wow, they, you know, it's, it's amazing to them. So... I'm going back a little, but do you like measure the sugar levels and is that how you decide when to tap a tree or is it just about like how quickly it's flowing? Yeah, no, that's, 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 a very, a tree? that's a very good question. We do measure it just to see where the levels are okay. um, so that we know what our ratios are going to be. Or if you're selling sap. Yeah. And our very first year, we sold all the sap we collected. So there's a scale on how much we're going to get paid for that sap. Yes. The higher the sugar level, the more money we make. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. like grapes. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. That's why I, I said yeah, but I don't. I don't know anything about grapes. <laughs> well, it's, it's essentially the same thing. <laughs> okay. They go and test, and they measure the sugars, and okay. like they don't harvest once it's so. too, you know, it's a certain sugar level for juice and then once it gets too high they sell it to wineries for okay. grapes so it's like right. a, yeah interesting yeah 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 so so we'll we'll do that and then uh, we'll, we'll transport it all to the sugar house and we pump it up to it's a um a thousand gallon milk tank that i have above the sugar house then it's gravity fed into the evaporator but, okay uh, yeah and then it's it's just and and and, and our evaporator um, is more of a kind of newer technology. We use fuel oil, and so I have the luxury of uh, boiling the sap on a high level, uh, low level, or off, where a lot of maple syrup producers are using wood, and um, they don't have that luxury. You okay. know, of, of, and so one of the things that we like to do is we like to t run it on low for like the first, or rather the last five minutes before we start drawing it off, uh, I have nothing to back this up on, but I my <laughs> feeling is that it allows our maple syrup to caramelize a little bit more. We we get that comment quite a bit. That why does your syrup taste different? And the only thing I can think of is maybe because we we allow it to caramelize uh, in the last five minutes before we start drawing it off the evaporator. And and you draw it off just with a very very small stream about the diameter of your pinky. So you're trying to let the evaporator stay up. There's a, there's a, uh, we use, there's a different like barometric pressures and things like that. We have dials, uh, depending on what the barometric pressure is. And we try to keep that, um, that dial, uh, at a certain level as we're drawing it off. I'm loving all this science yes. that goes into this. Yeah. You know, there, it is, when I explain it to people, I say it's very primitive, it's very straightforward, but at the same time, there's a lot of variables. Yeah. And, you know, and Mother Nature, man, she can really throw you a curveball. Yeah. Yes. You know, and because we we depend on so much of those on those temperatures and sun. Sun has a lot to do with it as well. If the in Indiana, uh, that time of the year in February, the sun is going to hit the south side of the tree opposed to the north side of the tree. So the south side of the tree is going to warm up. Hence, the sap is going to flow on the south side oh, of the tree. Okay. Yeah. So you always tap it on the south side of the tree. Well, actually, we do it all the way around, but you but do. the the south side always yields more 
on a sunny day. Okay. Yeah. So like how many times we, so is it three times? Did you say that you'd tap a tree maybe three times in a season? Uh, no, you can. And we've been known to do that because okay. again, going back to the human body, it's just like when we get a scrape or a cut or anything like that, the human body immediately starts to uh, heal itself. Uh-huh. Trees are the same way. So if you get in there too early, you know, I was saying that I've been made fun of because yeah. I get out there too soon. If you start tapping the tree, uh, too early before the sap really starts flowing or before the sugar levels are, are, are at its peak, then the tree's going to start healing immediately. You may have to go in and tap again. You don't tap the same hole. We use the what they call the Vermont spiral uh, tapping okay. method, where we spiral up or you can spiral down season after season. But typically, we only tap once a season. Okay. Typically. Oh, okay. So where do you put the tap on the tree? It could be anywhere. I, I've had friends that have tapped the roots, like on a, on a creek bed or a creek uh, on a creek where the, the maple root is sticking out of the side oh, of, okay. of the bank. Yes. Uh, I've actually seen where maple sugar producers tap the root and have a bucket hanging, you know, below the root. So um, do you have pictures uh, on your website or somewhere of, of a tapped tree? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Don't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll okay. So we'll link Brad says we do. To that. Brad <laughs> says we do. <laughs> is, it, is it like the typical, like what I'm imagining, like you said primitive already, but it's a bucket hanging there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, so. and to Nathan's question about where do you tap? Well, typically it's going to be waist high. And you'll, okay. you'll start there and then and you'll go around the tree. Okay. You know, like a spiral. And that's one tap and, and, and going and, all the way around? Um, no. Well, it's it's based upon the size, the diameter of the tree. So we won't tap a tree smaller than eight inches in diameter. So eight inches okay. will take one tap. Okay. An additional four inches, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, we can tap it again. 13, 14, 15, 16, we can tap it again. 17, 18, 19, 20, we can tap it again. Oh. So there are some really old growth maples that you can tap four or five times, and we love those. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course you do. Yes, we do. And so the rule of thumb for each tap will yield approximately 10 gallons of sap per season. So that's six weeks we can expect for that one single tap to generate about 10 gallons. So if you have a tree that has four taps, then we're going to get a gallon. We're going to get 40 gallons of sap, uh-huh. hence a one. gallon of maple syrup out of that one tree. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So how long does it take, once you tap it, how long does it take to fill its, to do its thing? Mother nature. It just depends on what mother nature is feeling. You know, if, if uh, sometimes uh, during the season, um, the temperature never gets above 32 degrees. So everything's locked up. Okay. Sometimes um, the temperature can go up. And, th- and that's why, you know... If there's people that are listening right now and you don't believe in global warming, <laughs> well, I don't, I'll just leave it at that. I, I mean, that, <laughs> I've actually heard this from syrup producers, like that it's, your seasons have been absolutely. tremendously altered. Absolutely. And, and it can change. We can have maple syrup producers up in northern Indiana. They could have a, a stellar season and we have a terrible season in southern Indiana and vice versa. But in general, the uh, the temperatures, the global temperatures, are really affecting um, maple syrup production. And, and you know, I I, I mean, I, can, I could go on a rant right now, and I'm, I, I guess I'm <laughs> going it. to just give me a second. Do it. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> so you know, I'm from Indiana, and we have a lot of great universities. One in particular is Purdue University. Purdue University is known for their engineering uh, program. Mm-hmm. You've got to be pretty darn sharp 
not only to get into the program, but to last in the program. And there was an, there's an engineer that graduated. He graduated, and um, he's a pretty sharp guy. And one day, it was during maple season, and he said to me, he said, Tim, you don't believe in that global warming stuff, do you? And I said, I absolutely believe in it. He goes, but they have shown that the temperatures have only increased by like one degree or two degrees over the course of 10 years or whatever it was. And I looked at him and I said, wait, wait, wait a second. What happens to us if we're running around with a one degree temperature increase in our bodies? There's something wrong. That, and you need to go to the doctor and find out what's going on, so that because you you know we as humans we can't run around with you know a, a, a temper yeah a, yeah you can't just run around with a fever and and, and ignore it. Mm -hmm. That's a great way of looking. I've never thought of yeah. So so any of you sharp people out there that've got it all figured out and it, <laughs> and I know I'm coming across that I've got it figured out and that he kind does. Of thing, but, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just looking at the scientific facts, you know, and yes. what's happening with our glaciers and all that kind of thing. So okay, I'm done. No, I I'm done with that. If you you can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it, it does have an effect not only on maple syrup production but other ag um, products and things like that. So Tim, one of the well, a lot of the the calls of the edible economy. We want to talk about you know the environment. We want to talk about the local economy and health. Uh, just any conversations that you might hear at the farms market. So this is great. You're you're pulling in you know not just syrup and syrup production, but others. So have at it. If there's another one, just ramp up. <laughs> <laughs> We'll never be invited back again. Though. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to let Brad talk about the economy, the economics of it, rather, okay. in terms of what we're doing, because we are purchasing sap from other uh, farms in our area. And Brad has kind of drilled down on that um, a little bit. So I, I'm going to toss that side of it over to you, Brad. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. So one of the best things about um, Tim and the farm, Burton's Maplewood Farm, is that when we got to the point where we had to expand, we really wanted to find a way to do it uh, reasonably. And so um, a lot of maple syrup producers will do logging and they'll log and they'll just, you know, they'll sell off those trees. But when they're able to tap those trees and then we're able to buy that sap from them, they actually get, I think over- uh, 50 cents a gallon. 50 cents a gallon. And so basically what that does is instead of them being able to do it one for in every 20 years to sell those trees. Now they're getting money off of that every year. And so what that does is it stimulates our local economy in Sweet. Indiana and it keeps more trees alive. And not that like, you know, as long as you're like um, responsibly logging, I think that's a, a, a good thing. Like, you know, we have to have that. We, we look at the woods as like a garden. You know, you, I think that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know, you, you can garden it, but if you over garden, you know, then, um, especially when you've got these trees that just keep, they're so sustainable. They keep producing year after year. Sorry, Brad, I just... No, that's exactly it. Those yeah. are the words I was looking for. <laughs> and, um, and so that's why we kind of decided to go this route of finding those local farms and working with them. So that way we can stimulate our local economies as well as our collaborations with different distilleries in the economies that we sell in. So you guys kind of like, a, is, it, is it similar to a co-op that you're doing or... Um, no, no, not really. Um, I mean, it's not not that. <laughs> I mean, we have farms like the Miller Farm. Um, the Miller, the Miller family, they were the family that I was introduced um, to with regards to making maple 
Syrup. And this is Miller in Indiana. Miller's in Indiana. Okay, because that, that name is huge in Colorado. Oh, it is? Miller Farm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Miller yeah. Farm, the $10 bag. There you go. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, all right. Um, so, yeah, so the Miller Farm, uh, Miller family, big family. And um, so it was really interesting um, going from learning from them to doing our own sugaring, then going to them and saying, hey, would you guys, because they had a really big farm that they had not expanded their sugar operation too. Then we just started collaborating, talking, and they said, you know, we'll, we'll invest $20,000 in a vacuum system and lines and that kind of thing. What kind of commitment can you make us, Tim? And I said, I'll buy all the sap that you can produce. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a, it's a great thing. And so they've just keep expanding year after year and we're buying all the sap that they can produce you know because the one area that we've are becoming known for is our barrel aged collaborations I okay mean, we've we've done especially like here in colorado we've done some collaborations with new belgium um doing a sour brown ale barrel aged maple syrup which is their la folle uh, beer. We remember when we released that in Chicago. Oh, they went nuts. No. <laughs> People went crazy. We sold out. Yeah, in Chicagoans Chicago. love New Belgium. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. And um, we um, remember when it wasn't sold there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I used to come to Colorado and drive back uh, with like, a car full. Of yeah, it. like four coolers for friends in both Chicago you and, bet. and Kentucky. They loved it. You bet. Um, That's really neat, though. I have a buddy. Um, Lincoln Anderson. And Lincoln is like the, I call him the godfather of beer nationwide. I mean, nice. he knows beer. If you ha if I have any questions about beer, I call Lincoln. And so um, Lincoln uh, 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 no longer works for New Belgium, but he's, I'm sure he stays in close contact with them. But he, he, he uh, introduced me to Lauren and Eric Salazar uh, with New Belgium. And they love the idea of us collaborating. And so when they invited me uh, out to the brewery, uh, Lauren and Eric said, what do you need? Just tell us what you need and we'll give it to you, you know? So we started off with the, the brown sour ale, air, brown sour ale beer. Did I get that right? <laughs> I think it's more like a brown sour ale beer. Barely. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, so that was one of the first collaborations. And then Breckenridge Distillery up in Breckenridge. Okay. We've done some fantastic barrels with them. We've done some signature barrels for like the Little Nell up in Aspen, um, several other places, the Four Seasons um, um, up in Vail. One of our newest collaborations in Colorado. So four years ago, I was at the Estes Park Farmer's Market and somebody came up to me and said, have you ever had an, a, a Palisade peach? And I said, what's that? And so <laughs> um, the fella explained it to me and about 10 minutes later, the guy came back and he had a brown bag with about three or four peaches in it. He goes, here you go. And he gave it to me. And um, I tasted it and I went, holy cow, that is really, really good. And I said, I wonder if there's a distillery over there. He goes, there is, Peach Street Distillers. Give him a call. So that was, I immediately called. Um, I contacted one of the principals there. His name's Bill Graham. Bill invited me to, to come over the hill. And so we met and um, agreed that we would do a Palisade uh, peach brandy barrel-aged maple syrup and a Palisade pear brandy barrel-aged maple syrup. And so the, the pear barrels are still aging. The peach barrels, we have tapped those, we've bottled them, and we've been uh, putting sending it out to all the different farmer's markets that, we, um, that we're in. And it's gone over really, really well. I bet. Yeah. 
One of my favorite recipes with this one, really quick, is what we do is we take a scoop of vanilla ice cream, we grill up Already some love it. <laughs> palisade peach uh, peaches, yes. okay. cut those up, then you put uh, drizzle the peach brandy barrel aged maple syrup over it, and you can either like crumble up some graham crackers or uh, Tim really likes to put walnuts or pecans. Super delicious. Oh, and that's like, delicious. And, but you grill the peaches. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, you have to grill the peaches. Yeah. That should be, we should yeah. serve that at our son's birthday party, huh? Yeah, that's right. People will always come back. <laughs> you know, and there's some things that we even learned from consumers. Um, there was a gal a couple years ago in Kansas City. She said, Tim, I'll take a bottle of your uh, Kentucky bourbon barrel-aged maple syrup. I'm going to go home. I'm going to caramelize onions and then put it on a burger. And it was just one of those oh, mind-blowing. Nice. I, w- I was Yum. like, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you don't think of maple syrup in a burger, but... That works, and that was the first thing I made when I got back to the farm yeah, in Indiana. Because that's like sausage with everyone eats sausage with syrup, right? Or yep. yeah, you eat or bacon you... with syrup. Yeah. 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 So, are we all a little hungry? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're cooking I'm going to tell this? you guys a weird one, and then we'll move on <laughs> on this line. So, Kim's dad introduced me to hot dogs. You got it. They have to have a little bit of black. You know, they have to be really cooked. Grilled hot dogs. And then you yeah. put peanut butter on them and mustard and i was, i looked really? at him and i was like that is di- no that is sacrilege it's so disgusting. disgusting and now and oh, wait a second Kim, and he's you're from, from chicago, chicago. Yes. yeah oh my so god he grew up yeah oh, with the famous know that chicago. chicago dogs yeah. but it's peanut butter oh uh, you got I, i'll try it once my you try it yeah my sister bridget is a peanut butter fanatic and it's got to be warm still you know so the peanut butter melts and then put a little bit of mustard on there yeah it's amazing i know missy's giving us a look you you were tim you were talking earlier about always doing fun things with your nieces and nephews so all of my cousins my dad's nieces and nephews that's how they eat hot dogs now (laughs) with peanut peanut butter oh creamy creamy yes Yes. okay yeah all right I got a, so I have a question, a little bit of a transition question for both of you guys. Um, you mentioned the Earth's warming temperatures as one of the problems. Global warming is a challenge, but in both for both of you guys, what are what are some of the biggest challenges that you face? Whether it's how do you sell it, where you sell it, you know, other things. I know temperature is probably the greatest. I mean, that is your limiting factor is temperature, right? It is. Yeah, it is. So are you talking about from um, getting our brand and our syrup out there? Because uh, we could talk about the marketing aspect of it. Or if you are you talking about the production side of it? Either. Okay. Well, You guys tell me well, your the, great, the, some of your greatest challenges. I, I would say production-wise, we don't really have much control over that. Because Mother Nature dictates everything. Okay. From that standpoint. But then, um, you know, Chicago is what we consider our farm's home um, market. The Green City Market in Lincoln Park, phenomenal market. Uh, Alice Waters actually made the statement that that it was the most sustainable market that she has seen in the United States. So that oh, coming wow. from Alice Waters, that's a that's that's quite a statement. So. We started off uh, in Chicago and uh, was uh, very surprised that there was not another maple syrup producer up there. So we were invited to participate after the season had started, the the market season had started. So at the time, and, and still today, but at the time, there was a huge push for local, local, local. 
we had so many great chefs, Charlie Trotter, Paul Kahn, uh, Art Smith, it just goes on and on, uh, uh, Rick Bayless. So many great chefs that are high-profile chefs that are doing some incredible things to manipulate um, their dishes and all their ingredients and things like that. And I'm often asked, like, you know, what made you think about barrel aging? Well, it was for that reason. I, I saw, and I'm not trying to be funny here. I, I, I wanted to try to make maple syrup sexier something different yeah and so i think mission accomplished well and you know i I talked with paul Kahn about this chef paul Kahn about it i said what do you think about this paul and he goes i think it's a great idea and i thought well where am i going to get rum barrels domestically so i called another friend uh who is a mixologist um and um he said you have a pen and a piece of paper and i said yes he said uh gave me the name of phil pritchard down in kelso tennessee they they were doing small batch rum um barrels so went down to Tennessee, picked up some barrels, and that's how we got started with the barrel aging process. And then we started doing more and more markets, trying to expand. And, and uh, we have people that run our markets in different communities, different states. And we, those people that run our markets, uh, we refer to them as VIFs, V-I-F, very important farmhands. And they are that. They, they are part of the family. We're into about 42 weekly farmers markets now. Um, from Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Illinois, Indiana, oh, Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Kentucky. For sure. Are, are you in Kentucky? We yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. Douglas, okay. Douglas Loop, um, okay. Bartstown Road, and we hope to be in the St. Matthews uh, next year. But we, we just applied late, and they were full. The, the Beargrass Christian Church one? I, yes, yeah, yeah yep. It is. And so uh, hopefully we'll be able to apply soon enough next year and uh, next season and get in there. But hence Brad Kerouac. That's one of the reasons. Yes. that Brad, yeah. Brad has kind of helped uh, at the farm or if I've needed something to do an event in Houston or something, I, I could rely on Brad if he's if he was available. It wasn't like he was twiddling his thumbs and, you know, Waiting. sitting back. Yeah, no, he was always busy. <laughs> but anytime I called and he was available, he would jump on board. And so... Uh, we've gotten to the point where we need, really needed an event manager, uh, somebody that would help not only look for other opportunities, but make sure that we, because there's a lot more to than just uh, saying that you want to do an event. You have to apply. There's insurance. and there, Yes. A I lot think of that's events. a fantastic idea for, because we work with some, some food producers that are in 30, 40 markets and they try to do it themselves. I think that's but awesome that's- to have somebody who's dedicated to that. Right. It is. It, you know what? Um, working for Tim now, I've been with him for about three and a half years on and off. Like he was saying, this is my first year full time. Uh, but last year I started to see this little uh, little uh, head starting to blow up because he had so much information in there. <laughs> I think the, I'm just going to tell you right now, the key thing is to write it all down. <laughs> Don't keep it in your head. Right, Tim? <laughs> that's, right. No, that's right. I mean, Brad brought, uh, what is it, Google? Uh, oh, yeah, the Docs. Google Drive. Google Drive. Google Drive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Everything like that. Brad, Brad's like a wizard. He's like a wizard. And then I have a cousin, uh, cousin Ruthie down in Sedalia, Colorado. She, she works for a pharmaceutical company. She's a spreadsheet wizard like Brad. So the two of them get together, and it's it's magic. It's really amazing <laughs> for Ruthie and Brad to get together because if, if, if one is not sure about something, then the other one might know how to do it. And having all that data and keep collecting it, and it, it, it's invaluable. 
So tell us, tell us about that. I think that's a, a great line of question to go into. Like, how is it, how is it transformed? But uh, the easiest way to put about put this in is through the the Google Drive and the sheets and everything like that. Getting all your basic information, just like who are your point of contacts for every market, who are your VIPs for every market, and all that kind of information. Getting that down. But the second p uh, key piece to that puzzle is how do you sell it? Um, and so we use Square, and we've been using them for a long time, actually. Yeah. I yeah. think over five years. Yeah. And um, but this year we transformed it to where you know we had to like divide it up and put it into different ways so we could track the inventory levels and make sure that okay they're low so now we can set it out and like have these these systems put in place to um, make it very efficient. Now through that it's really cool because we get to kind of just see it digitally versus having to go out and count it. I can't tell you how many times I was on the farm and Tim would be like, hey, every in the morning, go count uh, this, this, and this. And go <laughs> count it and I'd come back. And then he, and then it's like halfway through the day, we did shipments. He goes, well, now how much is there? <laughs> and so like, you're talking about a good hour out of your day just counting. And once you realize you invest into a system like this, it that's when you realize the value because now you don't have to have someone go out there and count it twice a day. And we're, you know, we're still a small farm. Oh, it's yeah. it's family and uh, a family and, and Brad, we consider family. And, and so I've got you know, my mother-in-law's out there, my father-in-law's out there, uh, Angie, sister-in-law's out there, you know, so. I have my own room in their house. Yes, he does. <laughs> it's the Kerouac wing. Nice. And so, so we're still a small farm. I don't want people listening thinking like, oh, these guys are becoming more of a corporate no, no, yeah, no. no. I mean, every bottle oh, no. that you see is touched multiple times. We fill it up by hand. There's no, there's no assembly line in that sense. Um, we fill the bottles up one bottle at a time. We we dip them in wax. We tie them by hand, and then that kind of thing. Oh, that's special. And that's by nice. like Kerouac wing, it's more like Harry Potter's closet underneath the stairs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it works. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you and, guys both? Do you know bottle and and dip and all of that? Is that like a ha- all hands on deck for dip, during the bottling? Stamp, ship, yep, clear. okay, yep, yep, yep. So we have we have what we call master cases that we ship every Monday. We in, in Colorado is a three day delivery. Um, Utah is a four day delivery. Um, we're in Seattle now. That's a four day delivery. So we have it down uh, pretty well where, where we ship FedEx ground, and we ship these master cases. And each master case uh, will contain three cases. Each case will have 12 bottles. So we're sending 36 bottles to a VIF at a time. Or, I mean, we could, in some cases, we're shipping four or five master cases. Um, You know, we have Dan uh, Griffith up in Laramie. I call him the Maple Cowboy. I still don't see how he can get it done because he's working some of these markets. Like, he's in Fort Collins now. Every Sunday, he's in the Cheyenne market. Saturday, it, it, Cheyenne starts this, this Saturday. This Saturday, yes. Yeah, and then and he's Laramie. And so I've looked at his numbers, and I said, Dan, it's, you didn't have any help? And he says, no. And I said, well, that's impossible. How could you have processed orders, taken money, talked to people, and all that kind of thing? He says, I love it. 
And I and Ruthie calls him the human octopus. <laughs> so he's he's pretty incredible. Well, Casey Miller's catching right up on him. So Casey did a great job up in Park City, Utah. Yeah. So how do you find how do you find these guys and gals? That, yeah, you know, I th- I'm thinking how do you like, find good employees. It's great to have Brad now to help like with training since you're in so many markets all over the country. So right. it's not just you because, I mean, you're the best seller of of the syrup. Or you used to be, but they had to take, <laughs> but they had to take all your knowledge and all the little bits that you would say, and, yeah. you, and you and you have to teach all these people. And how do you find them? And how do you train them, Brad? Um, so a lot of the training uh, or the how to find them is, I mean, we've we've done Craigslist, and uh, but now we're really getting into Facebook jobs uh, because we really love searching oh, into super demographics where it will market towards them. So we'll pay a little fee to get it pushed out to people that are looking, um, but it's it's so worth it at the end because we've found nothing but qualified candidates this year when looking that route. Now and, it and takes we'll, a while. But. And we'll do Google Hangout or uh, what's some of the other? Oh yeah, so um, after we find them, training. we'll do like Google Hangouts, uh, FaceTime, Skype, whatever that person would have. You know, we've just set them all up because it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll do that to, you know, to do like a second round of interviews for that uh, area or location. And then we try to get them, we either come out to them or we'll have them like, uh, we just had uh, Dylan Tibby, who is our new basalt in Edwards Farmer's Market. He went over to Vail with a Ross and got trained by another VIF. Okay. Because when we we have these VIFs uh, year after year, they're just as good to train as we are. And yeah. And so we work as a family, as a team in that aspect as well. And we have a pretty high retention rate. You know, That's it's not great. like we're, we're turning people over because they, we, we make sure that they get a piece of the pie. We guarantee a certain dollar amount so that if you show up and it's going to happen, it does happen. If you show up and there's a storm that comes in, everybody scatters. So we guarantee them a dollar amount that you, you're going to walk away with this much. Um, but then um, we're, we're going to give you a percentage of your gross sales when it goes above and beyond what we guarantee you. Oh, and that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so people, uh, it's just like you were talking about Casey. I mean, Casey did really well this, this last weekend. And it's tough to go somewhere and be able to put a few hundred bucks in your pocket after working, you know, four hours. Now, there's much more to it than just showing up and working four hours. Absolutely. Preparing to get there, then afterwards, and then you get home. And you're ready for a nap because your diaphragm is spent, you know, just yeah. talking and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's why we appreciate our VIF so much. I mean, it's it's really, they're the people that are out there representing the farm. And after talking them week after week, you know, there's, it's just really, uh, it couldn't be done without them. Right. You know? and, and we need to talk about Shotkey Rupp. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Out of Missoula. Go ahead, Brent. <laughs> So this is, this is a true story, folks. Yeah. Okay. So I flew out to Seattle and uh, started a market there. Um, and then I drove down to Missoula, Montana on my way. Shaki had a market on that Sunday and we knew that she was having her baby on Monday. So <laughs> she, she goes to the market on Sunday. And then Monday morning, she's in there having her baby. And then I got to meet her on uh, Tuesday, luckily, her and her husband. <laughs> And um, didn't you bring a case of diapers? I did, yeah. I brought like level one, two, and threes. I didn't know what I was doing, so I just put stuff together. Impressive, rad kids, but you did the right thing. You acted like you did. Yeah, and then I got a little bib that says, uh, 
what's cooking good looking. <laughs> um, but no, and so basically, you know, I get to visit her and, you know, she's in high spirits, you know, just had her baby and beautiful family. And then next Sunday, who's back at the market? Shocky. With wow. child on hip. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. That's fantastic. Well, that's a keeper. She's a keeper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a keeper. <laughs> and what I don't even think she realizes, but that motivates us to be like, well, you're sick. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. You didn't just have a baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. She, that's, I think that's what you call Montana strong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, so you guys have found some good ones. Oh, you yeah. found some really, really good employees. Yeah, and then and there's a few that... Do it a year and don't yeah, come back. Yeah, don't, don't make it or, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, that's okay. I mean, we look at it as... That's, you have to expect that. Of course. I yes. love the Facebook jobs. I'm glad you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. I think that's really neat. Yeah. It's super important. Mm-hmm. I mean, we use it for... We, we use Facebook for marketing, so it makes total sense how that... They could just drill down so you can get the exact type of candidates that you really, really want. Yeah. yeah. And by location. Like like in Craigslist, like it's like it's a whole city of the Chicago or south side of Chicago or north side of Chicago. And But with Facebook, you just go, here's the market. Here's the... 10 mile radius, five mile radius, or even 50, if you want to go that far. Yeah. Out here in Colorado, you definitely have to do that. In Montana, you probably should just go 200 miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot we, do, we do that. We direct market. And Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, um, we're more than happy <laughs> to have Facebook as a sponsor. Um, but we are, I will say that Facebook has been great for us to market our product to a certain geographic and, and uh, demographic area so we can pinpoint instead of putting it in the newspaper or a publication like that and then you're just carpet bombing right this is actually we're drilling down in those communities and saying hey we're going to be in jackson hole wyoming with a brand new wyoming bourbon barrel aged maple syrup from cowboy country distillers out of pinedale oh that's cool Yeah. yeah so how how else speaking of marketing how do you guys market how do you market your product? Besides Facebook. Besides Facebook. Or, or well, that's all we that's use actually, pretty much. That's, yeah. Facebook, you know, we kind of use um, stories and not like by stories, I mean, um, Tim loves posting on his personal Facebook. So he is, he's a very personable person. So as you get to know him and you, and you meet him, like he'll add random people on Facebook all the time. And it's perfect because that's how you really meet people, right? Yes. And so instead of going like a traditional route of like newspapers and and even Facebook, like we do a little bit there, um, it's really about telling the story through through real connections. And then all these VIFs, that's how we market because there's not a pure maple syrup producer out here or a bourbon barrel aged, rum barrel aged yeah. maple syrup producer out here. And so... We get to actually educate people, and that's what's more important to us is educating people about what pure maple syrup is. I was I was at an event, uh, this is going back three or four years ago, in downtown Chicago uh, by the old Fox and O'Bell store. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was called uh, Dose. Uh, it was an event. And um, this, I had, it was in the wintertime, so I had my Filson felt bibs on. And I had my hat on. I was not trying to dress up and being something I'm not. That's how I, you know, uh, that's how I uh, dress. And so this one lady got down on her knee with uh, her two kids. And she says, look, doesn't he remind you of a cartoon character? And for a fraction of a second, I was like, wait, 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 wait. What What do you mean a cartoon character? And then I went, it was like the proverbial light bulb went off. And I went, whoa, wait a second. And those kids were like, 
oh, wow, can we get some syrup? And I was like, oh, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You know? That's funny. Yeah, but for a fraction of a section, I was like, whoa, wait, whoa, I'm not a cartoon character. I'm <laughs> here in uniforms for the VIFs. <laughs> yeah. Plaid shirt, too, for sure, right? You never know. You never know. So, so Chicago keeps getting brought up, and then I know there's a little something about Oprah. So can you tell us that sure. story? Yeah. yeah. So when Oprah had her farewell shows at the, what center? The uh, Where the... Where the Bulls play uh, United, United Center. Center. United Center. Okay, so she had her like last two shows at the United Center. Um, one of our customers, um, uh, Chef Art Smith, owns Table Fifty Two, and he asked if we would provide small maple leaves with the rum barrel aged maple syrup as as just a, a like a favor, table favor, type of thing. We said sure, and so we. I called, we were up in Chicago to drop them off, and I thought that they would close table 52 down the night before to get it ready, but it was business as usual. So um, I said, well, do you want me just to bring them by tomorrow? I'd like to get a couple pictures of the maple syrup at the place settings. And so they said, sure, um, people are going to start showing up at about 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. So I said, I'll make sure I get there in plenty of time. And we we always stay outside of town uh, just because it's incredible. How yes. expensive it is to stay in a hotel. So right. we'll, we'll drive that 20 minutes. Anyway, so we got caught in traffic. So it put us behind. We, we showed up. It was about 10, 1030. And um, <laughs> we got him in, got everything out and that kind of thing. And Art said to Angie and I, my wife and I, well, I want you to stay for brunch. And like I had jeans on. Angie had a Carhartt hat on. And we, <laughs> we weren't, for us, we weren't dressed for the occasion. But they were like, oh, no, 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 you're perfect. This is fine. So Art insisted, and then uh, we were talking to some of the staff members, and then all of a sudden Art claps his hands and says, guests in the house. And these two people walk in, and Art brings them right over to us. And Art says, Tim, Angie, this is uh, uh, Joe and Cynthia from New York. And Joe, Cynthia, this is Tim and Angie Burton. They provide us our maple syrup and this rum barrel-aged maple syrup. Then the, the farmer market questions from Joe and Cynthia pursued from there, and we uh-huh. just started a- a- asking or answering questions. We said, we know we've got a five-hour drive. We're going to have to get going. And they said, no, no, we want you to stay and, and have brunch with us. So they persisted. you know. They, and so we said, okay. So we sat down, and uh, uh, the chicken and waffles come out. I said, I said, well, you guys know what our connection is with Chef Art here. What's your connection uh, with uh, Chef Art and and if Oprah? And Cynthia said, well, our daughter's been on the Oprah show multiple times. And that kind of went over my head. And I thought, well, she must be a producer or something. And I said, is your daughter a producer? And uh, Cynthia said, no, no, she's actually been a guest on the show. And I said, well, then that begs the question. Just as I was putting waffles in my mouth, I said, well, then that begs the question. Who's your daughter? And Joe said very sheepishly, he he said it very low. He goes, we don't go around telling people this, but our daughter's Lady Gaga. <laughs> and the waffles came out of my mouth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my mouth just dropped. <laughs> and I said, I said, wait, 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 wait. And so in my mind, I didn't say this to him. You guys are just too down to earth, too much down to earth people you know I, I mean i don't know what to expect but you know their daughter you know the meat suits and all that kind of thing is, is kind of right. far out there they were With so the nice they were so nice and then we started supplying their new restaurant in new york with our maple syrup and so just after that oprah has a friend gail Kitty, yeah she does that 
uh, Joe and Cynthia saw her walk in and they waved and she came over and she goes, you know, are you guys recovered from last night after, you know, the, the fun time we had? And they said, yes. And Joe said, Gail, we'd like for you to meet uh, Tim and Angie Burton. And she went, Burton's Maplewood Farm? That, so that was really surreal. That's pretty wow. cool. It was really surreal. And she goes, honey, Oprah and I love your maple syrup. She, <laughs> she says, Chef Art comes out to, to Harpo and fixes uh, chicken and waffles on special occasions when Oprah requests it. So that was kind of a, a surreal moment. Aww. And there's several other moments where, you know, we just make maple syrup, but we've been oh, that's fortunate. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that was the, the connection with Oprah. That is cool. Yeah. That's and really so, weird. any other stars met um, since through syrup? Through we, syrup, yeah. You know, do you know who Richard Branson is? Uh, with yes, we, we've heard of him. We've okay. heard of him. <laughs> so we did a we did a barrel for his brand new hotel slash restaurant in Chicago. It was the first his first U.S. based hotel restaurant. So we did a three year bourbon Madagascar vanilla bean maple syrup. Okay, nice. The chef there at the time was Rick Gresh. And um, Rick's a great Chicago chef. And so, let's see. I know that there's others, but I just can't think of it right now. <laughs> Michael Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan uh, Steakhouse. And uh, um, we have recipe cards that we uh, have at all the farmer's markets. And so, one of the uh, recipe cards is the uh, Michael Jordan's um uh, chicken and is it chicken and the, waffles? The spicy chicken. Spicy chicken and waffles, which is uh, Chef Craig Cooper, is uh, uh, Mr. Jordan's executive chef, and oh, so cool. yeah, so uh, Craig has been to our farm and that kind of thing. Um, I mentioned Charlie Trotter, Paul Kahn. Even though Paul is like he 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 doesn't like the spotlight but he's been voted the best chef in america by james beer foundation so he's paul's been down to the farm paul's a super great dude locally justin brunson who owns old major Mm -hmm. um he's a great supporter of ours um alex seidel and that's here in in colorado Colorado. alex Mm -hmm. seidel who owns mercantile and fruition stephanie eisard who owns girl and the goat little goat and I, I'm not sure if Stephanie still today is the only female that has ever won Top Chef. But I know for a long time, Stephanie was the only female winner of Top Chef. You know, nice. So, yeah, I yeah. think that speaks pretty highly of you or, or, you know, and of your all's product. What, who's using it and where it is and all these, all these restaurants. We've talked to a lot of different food producers that do all kinds of things. I don't think, you know, some of them have one restaurant that has it or maybe two and maybe they're in a couple of different states with it but i've never talked with anybody so i go back to the very first thing i said and i i will challenge anybody to say there's a better syrup in the world well, or right. at least better you know more well uh, more well-rounded and used by by top or restaurants. how about this a sexier syrup sexier. Sexier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Wolfgang Puck uses us too, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, so there we, we go. <laughs> we distribute. We distribute through LA Specialty in Los Angeles, which covers they cover San Francisco, Hawaii, um, Las Vegas, and um, I did have a friend tell me that they were uh, having breakfast at like the Beverly Hills Wilshire or one of the you know uh, nice hotels in 
uh, Los Angeles, and they said, hey, your name's on the menu there. So sometimes we don't even know wow. that oh, our name's cool. on the menu. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that so is cool. Yeah. Do you use a distributor, a distributing company ever? Or is it always like direct, Most call the of, farm? Well, you know, um, we've kind of stepped back from trying to drive to get more commercial customers, like a restaurant or a hotel okay. and that kind of thing. Because we've been really focusing on building out our farmer's markets. So, so we have about 42 weekly farmer's markets. That does not include special events. Like we just wrapped up a Frontier Days. Sure. Last year was our first year. Um, they named us the, you know, the we, we, we were the official syrup of Frontier Days. Nice. Yeah, but they yeah. loved that. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. We put their logo on the bottle and oh, all that kind of thing. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, but we've really been focusing on building out um, our farmers market, uh, summer farmers markets, and then we do have a winter season as well. But, I bet. But I would like to be in a hundred farmer weekly farmers markets within two years. Summer farmers markets within two. You years. got your work cut out for you, Brad. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> that's great. I mean, yeah. that's so just that's a direct goal. connection to your customers. Yeah, and getting yep. the story yep. out there. So and you're I, not I, sold in stores then? No, we we've been approached by Whole Foods, and okay. I've declined. Um, I think that's a good decision. Yeah, I've just declined. I, I just, you know, there used to, there was a, I don't know if you guys remember that commercial for United Airlines. It was a long time ago. The boss of, I don't know if it was United or just a company that they were using as an example. And, and the boss was saying, we've got to get back to basics. We've lost touch with our customers. And then his name was like, let's say Phil. And Phil was getting ready to leave the meeting. And they said, Phil, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to go get back to basics, and, and I've got some people to meet. And that always struck me. I'm getting goosebumps thinking yeah. about that because that always struck me as, wow, this is the way. Just like um, uh, if you've heard of Clabber Girl out of Terre Haute, Indiana, yeah. well, th yep. those guys would literally hit the road, and they would knock on doors, and, and build, they built their story one customer at a time and while it may not be because we have uh, tools like Facebook and that kind of thing but there's something to be said to building your customer base one customer at a time and at these farmers markets there's no better way to then to build that and have that interaction you know where the vis are talking about the farm and that kind of thing and I try to get around to the markets as well um, and what 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 actually drove us out to Colorado was we um, Four years ago or so, we were invited to participate in Gourmet Angora up in Vail. And Karami Petrowski with the Vail Daily wrote a story about us before we got there. And she wrote a story about Oprah. Well, when that came out, I started getting emails from other farmer's market managers saying, oh. hey, can you drop in here? And we just didn't have enough inventory because it was so well received. But we said, hey, you know what? Next year we plan to come out. And how about if we come out then? So then, you know, the guys over at the Dillon Farmer's Market, we, yes. you know, those are some. Uh, I bet you love Yeah, the big tours. Yeah. Tours. 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 great. But I, I have great. to say, not that, I mean, all the market managers are great, but um, uh, Matt Miano and Matt Lope, really good dudes. I mean, I always enjoy seeing those guys uh, every year. You know, it, it goes beyond just showing up at the farmer's market because they say, you know, after work, hey, let's go have a beer. Nice. So we, so we go and we have a beer. Um, nice. Matt's invited me to stay at his house. You know, how many, how many places can you go where you're actually invited into somebody's house and spend the night there? Yeah. You know, and that kind of thing. 
and um, that's cool yeah it, it's different in the you know the the close-knit way of of markets and things like that and yeah food producers too yeah everybody goes through the trenches and uh you know a lot of people look from the outside and they're oh you just set up a tent and sell it's so easy there's some kind of yeah people look at it as kind of glamorous and i'm not complaining don't yeah. don't know read me wrong no girl. but i'm saying everybody getting in the trenches together you have a shared camaraderie with uh, with people doing you know local food yeah yeah for sure and this is just to put it in a little bit into perspectives we have a thousand and eighty days worth of events in this year oh my god one thousand and eighty days worth of events wow that's in one year in one year so you just think about that and you know, this is something that people don't see, like with Tim, um, is that he sacrifices a lot to be on the road to help this. Yeah. And it's to sustain his family and his brand. But one of my favorite things about Tim is almost every day he'll give his um, his uh, Hadley a call. And he'll talk to her and like be on the phone. It's a granddaughter. Okay. And uh, he'll just, you know, share a couple special moments just to stay in touch. Oh, that's and, cool. And, yeah. you know, that that's where... Uh, Tim kind of breaks the the typical person. Like when you're on the road, you're tired, like at the end of the day. But he just, you know, he always makes sure there's time for family, for calls, and to, but he also enjoys the moment. Um, when we were in Yellowstone, he actually invited a couple to come and join us because there's no more camp spots. And, you know, it's just really cool because those are the kind of things that Tim does. So when he's on the road, it's not just, okay, I go to an event, I go home, I go to sleep, I go to an event. It's I go home, I make a million friends, <laughs> I go back <laughs> right? to try to go to sleep, and I make a million more friends, <laughs> and then I keep on going because he really believes in that genuine connection. Brad, you're going to get that raise. You're going to get that raise. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to Stephanie Sherman. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you for uh, starting that conversation. No. <laughs> I have another question about the farm. So were you in Indiana and then started the syrup farm or um, did you come to Indiana from somewhere else because you were getting into syrup? Or how did, how did the beginnings, what are the beginnings there? Uh, well, um, my folks moved to, to Medora, Indiana, along with my three other siblings, when I was in sixth grade. Okay. So... People ask me, where are you from? I always say Indiana. I was born in California, but I always said Indiana. Yeah. Those were my most impressionable years. <clears throat> and then I married uh, a local girl, Angie. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then we had our two children. Um, but but um, I was all, Angie and I and our oldest uh, child, Greg, we moved to Sacramento and I worked for uh, a medical company called Zimmer Orthopedics. So we did that for about four. I did that for about four or five years, and then we re we realized not that Sacramento is an awesome place sure. to, to live because if you know you've got the the Sierras, you've got the San Francisco, you've got yeah. the Bay Area, and all that kind of thing. But we just realized what we we realized what we had in Indiana that we didn't appreciate prior to moving. Yes. So sometimes you have to move away in order to, to realize what you yeah. have. And so we moved back and M Medora is a, a lot like Mayberry RFD with all due respect. I'm okay. not saying poking fun or anything like that. It's really, really a great community. Uh, we had our daughter Mallory when we were in Sacramento. And um, so, but we decided that we wanted to raise our kids in Indiana. So we, we moved back and after a few years, we bought this farm 
with no intentions of tapping trees. And we had a systems integration business, a, a, a technology company. Yeah. And so one of our HP technicians, Joe Evans, uh, he asked for a couple of days off. And, and my management practices were always, I, I don't want to surround myself with people that I need to manage with a bullwhip. I need self-starters and people that get up in the morning and want to make it happen. So um, Joe asked for a day off and then one day turned into two days, turned into three days. And then on that third or fourth day, I said, hey, Joe, it's not on my business, but what are you doing? He says, I'm having a ball. I'm helping the Miller family collect sap. I said, like maple sap? And he said, yeah. And he goes, why don't you come with me? And I said, okay. So um, <laughs> wow. I touched base with Angie to make sure we didn't have any plans. And, and I was, it was good. And so we went out there and I was just enamored by the whole process. I mean, it was just like a scene out of a movie where people started walking with five gallon buckets across a hay field. And then there, there were four wheelers pulling small trailers with tanks. And everybody was going from tree to tree to tree, uh, uh, collecting the sap out of these bags into the five gallon buckets, then transferring over to the tanks. And then the tanks would run to the sugar house and they would start boiling. And then in the sugar house was another part of it that I was enamored by. Um, it was the lost social aspect of the way things were back in the day where friends, families, and neighbors would come together, whether it's slaughtering hogs or cows or whatever, uh, everybody would share uh, in the bounty. But as my late Irish grandmother would say, many hands make light work, make light work. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would just observe, I just kind of sat back and I observed in the sugar house, there was a group of women that were talking about needlepoint and that kind of thing. There were some guys over on the other side. You can hear them laughing, cracking jokes. And you had some people that were on the, with the evaporator. They even had some hard boiled eggs boiling in the sap, um, in this one pan, they were boiling it. And that was the first time I had ever, uh, I was shown that you can blow an egg out of an eggshell without it falling apart. It's just a whole, yeah, I said, it can't be done. And the guy said, yes, it can. And he, <laughs> he, he punched a, put a little tiny needle hole in one end and a little tiny needle hole in the other. And he just took it and put it in his mouth and then blew really hard. And of course, it did blow out that egg a little bit on one side, but I was just like, man, the things you can learn in a maple house. <laughs> right? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> So, you know, if you ever wanted to hustle a few bucks, you can make a $5 wager that I can blow this egg outside of this hard-boiled egg. Anyway. Can you do it now? I could. I oh, could nice. do it now. I did it then. Okay. I, I said, well, let me have an egg. I want to try it. <laughs> yeah. so, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah so so I, I then went home after I experienced all this. And, and it was on the weekend, and I had a clipboard, and I was walking out. And she said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go count maple trees and see how many maples we have. And she went, what? <laughs> and I said, yep, I'll, I'll be back in a couple hours. And so I started counting maple trees. And my gosh, we had a lot of maple trees. So that's what got the, that's what got the whole thing going. And then we as a family, um, my, my niece Caitlin was born with a cranial facial anomaly, a, a unilateral cleft lip and palate. So as a family, we got together and we said, how can we raise money uh, to, to benefit the Heads Up Foundation? And so we came up with the thought of, well, why don't we have a maple syrup festival? All this was coming together all at the same time. And so I looked to see if there was an Indiana maple syrup festival, and there wasn't. And I, I just Googled National Maple Syrup Festival, and there was no National Maple Syrup Festival. 
So I immediately got on it, got with uh, uh, a trademark attorney out of New York and trademarked National Maple Syrup Festival. And so it benefited the Riley Hospital for Children's Craniofacial Anomalies Program. And that was when it was on the farm. We have since moved it to Brown County, Indiana, because it's just simply outgrown our farm. And wow. when was, what year was the first festival? I think it was 2009. Nice. Yeah. I, I remember the t-shirts. It, yeah. 2009. Okay. But Marketing plug. The first weekend in March. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. If you're traveling. And you know what? We, we've been written up. The festival has been written up in some major um, publications. And so when we have people that have come in, we have a guest book. And so one couple signed from Seattle, Washington. And my mom was working the our like gift area. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, are you here visiting family? And the gal said, no, we read about this like in Good Housekeeping. That it was like the uh, number two out of 10 best things to do in March or in the wintertime. And so, you know, when you find out people are traveling, they're yeah. spending a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, that's really cool. For flights, accommodations, food, you know, you, you, you kind of start feeling like, I, I better do something here to entertain them, like dance an Irish <laughs> jig or something, you know, because I don't know, is this enough, you know? Yeah. But everybody seems to have a good time. They love it. And we have some really great bluegrass um, artists that come in and, Sing and that kind of thing. That's great. Reenactors, yeah, Jeremy Turner. Oh, nice. A great reenactor, local, and he's a buddy of mine. What are they reenacting? Native American uh, encampments and early French American. So they're showing how the Native Americans um, uh, discovered how to make maple syrup, maple sugar, and then and then it advanced when early French Americans came and they had metal uh, pans and and, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing, but. And so that's how I got to know my buddy, Jeremy Turner. And he, um, Jeremy is uh, with the uh, Indianapolis firefighter, uh, uh, fire uh, fighters, and I got to know his family. His young son, Benjamin, he's 11 years old, great, great kid. And six months ago, I said to, to Jeremy and Shannon, I said, do you think Benjamin would be interested in coming on this big maple tour with me? I'll be out for about a month. So. I can't just put him on a plane and send him home if he gets homesick. So they talked with him, and he signed on, and they left this morning. He he was on this tour with me all the way from Cody, Wyoming. We did Yellowstone. We met up with Brad in Yellowstone. We chartered a boat. We went fishing on Yellowstone Lake. I just had... And he's 11? 11 years old. Oh, that's so nice. But you also went out to South Dakota and to the Badlands. Oh, yeah. Okay. Crazy Horse and Mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. And he's just such a good kid. I mean, he could uh, could take a joke, but he can dish it out too. But but not to the point where he was disrespectful. Sure. He really helped make the trip. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, hey, Benjamin, there's your plug. You, you wanted Michael Martin Murphy to say something to you up in Frontier Days, and, and, uh, but now you're getting a plug on this podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. So we just have uh, – I just have one question that I like to end with. And um, if you could put out a message, whether it be on a billboard or whatever, however you could get out a message to everybody in the world, what, what would the message say? Not necessarily about business or just a... Yeah. One quote that I really like is that adversity doesn't build character, it reveals it. So through business or through life, and I shared this with Benjamin too, I said, you know, you're going to find challenges throughout your life and there's going to be a lot of adversity. 
And um, there's that saying that uh, adversity builds character, but really it reveals it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. You guys, thank you. It's been awesome having you here. I've learned so much so about much. this today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I want to go count maple trees now. <laughs> I know, right? Right. In yeah. Indiana. Or, or in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. In Kentucky. That's right. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you guys inviting us to be on here. We're thrilled that we could share our story. And, um, you know, having Brad here to help share that story, I, I, I really appreciate So how yeah. do people get in touch with you? How do they find your Website, Sura? Where do they? Media. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and then uh, uh, burtonsmaplewoodfarm.com. Okay. Yeah, Perfect. those would be, be the best ways you can order right from our website, and uh, we'll have a new website here in a couple months. Yeah, and it's something else that Brad is in charge of. So. And does it list all the markets that you're in and everything like that as well? You know, it doesn't right now. And I've, <laughs> okay. been, I, and, and I've had I've had Brad and I've had my wife Angie and several other people saying, you know, you you should have that. So I'm going to join them. Yep, me too. <laughs> well, that's exactly why I don't put it up there. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I do think I'm a nice guy, and there's some sincerity to what Brad said, but at the same time, you know, it, I am in business to be in business. Let me get far enough ahead of the crowd, and then we might start listing all of them. Once the, we hit 100 markets. Oh, okay. Then, then we'll <laughs> Once you get to your 100 to me, to me, you know, Brad said, we need to have it on there, Tim. And I said, oh, why? And make a roadmap for everybody to, I mean, there's a tremendous... To follow you and do exactly what you're doing. And, yeah. and, and I'm okay to be a mentor, but not if it's at the expense of... Okay, so what we've done when and they, we work so hard. I, I if hear you're that. somewhere, you can call or you can email them, and they may tell you where you can go find their syrup. <laughs> or, <early. laughs> or you can get it at the Arvada Farmers Market. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant to say spots. that we are at Arvada as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on down. <laughs> Sundays sure. nine to one thirty. Sundays nine to one thirty. Yeah, that's right. We are also uh, at the Mojave Desert Farmers Market. <laughs> <laughs> Come out and see us <laughs> competitors it's a great great rude. market yeah rude. Rude. Oh, that's awesome all right so we will have the show notes on our website edibleeconomy.com with links to their to burton's maplewood farm and their social media and other things we've talked about and pictures from today Yep, and some videos. We're gonna grab some videos or some links to something about how how the syrup the process. And then you've you've got at least one more thing to share. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> what, Subscribe you, and rate us and follow us on edibleeconomy.com. Facebook page and thank you to Truth and Legend and Missy Media Productions and Missy she's taking a picture of us right now at the table we yeah we appreciate it thanks have a Tim. good one thank thanks you guys Brad.